In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is Christ the King Sunday. It is the ultimate Sunday of Pentecost, the last of this uh, five or six month long green season. We have spent uh, this year reading through St. Matthew's Gospel. This is the end of year A in our lectionary cycle. We have a three-year cycle, A, B, and C. And in year A, we've read through this bulk of Matthew's Gospel. Uh, we, of course, don't read the birth narratives as we save those for Christmas and Advent. And we don't read uh, chapter 26, that next chapter, after what we just read from, uh, because that is his institution of the Last Supper and his... Um, his arrest and death and resurrection, which of course we save for, for Holy Week and for Easter. So we've read through this bulk of the, the gospel and we've come to this, uh, this last passage. And uh, we're now prepared to move into Advent. We're now ready to start thinking about what it is that we do as we come into the, the season of Christmas. How is it that we need to prepare to celebrate uh, the first coming of our Lord uh, so that we are ready for his second coming? And his second coming and his first are both talked about by the prophets. Uh, They're both revealed. Uh, The Lord says that no one should be surprised that's read the scriptures, that knows the history of Israel. He says that it's all there, that Abraham saw his day and rejoiced. And so um, all the prophets know about it. And uh, here we see a beautiful example of that in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, you remember, is in Babylon. He is uh, prophesying from Babylon. He's one of those nobles who's brought out of Israel in the exile, and he's brought into Babylon. And it's from there that he looks towards Jerusalem and that he has these ecstatic visions of wonders. You may also remember that Ezekiel's mouth was closed very near the beginning of his prophetic ministry, that he's not allowed to speak to the people. And as soon as his mouth is opened, this is what he says, uh, I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep. And so he is prophesying of the coming of Christ. And he's doing that in talking about uh, what it is that the shepherds were supposed to be doing and what they did not do. And so uh, this is the the foundation. He's saying, this is what I gave my shepherds to do. And of course, this is the passage that the the Lord gave to us in planting Jesus, the good shepherd. Uh, This is the verse that was given to us that we sat around in my mother's uh, living room about 11 years ago and talked about uh, that we had uh, for planting a church. That every year that goes by, the more I realize that was definitely the Lord that chose that scripture. I never would have chosen that scripture. It's not particularly hopeful or inspiring. You know, the shepherds have messed up. I'm going to have to do it myself. You know, it's not, I will, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. It's not the kind of thing that people write on their sneakers. You know, it's a, it's a condemnation of the shepherds. He's saying, you've muddied the waters. You've uh, made a mess for the people and you want them to come after you. So he's using this uh, analogy of these shepherds who have uh, trampled through the water, they've trampled through the grass, and then the sheep are coming after, and they're having to to have this muddy water. What's he meaning by that? He's saying that he's not keeping that clear stream of living water. They're not keeping that clear stream of righteousness, of knowledge of living with God. Uh, They've muddied it and soiled it and made it into something else through their carelessness or through their selfishness. They haven't kept that clear water uh, for the sheep to drink, uh, knowing the righteousness of God. And indeed, this is what brings them to Babylon in exile, is because uh, they've been following themselves, their own devices and desires of their hearts. Uh, They 
hadn't been obedient in subjection to the Lord. And so he allows uh, their uh, culture and their institutions to be broken so that he can reform them. And we see this over and over again where the Lord allows them to be broken and reformed and broken and reformed. And so we see the promise uh, of the father saying, I myself will be the shepherd. I myself will come. And this is uh, Christ himself who comes and fulfills this uh, promise that's given these 580 years before the coming of Christ. But we don't have to go back 580 years. We can go all the way back to the garden. That's where St. Paul goes in 1 Corinthians. He says that, uh, that Christ is coming uh, to do what Adam was supposed to do, to be who Adam was supposed to be. Adam's purpose was to dwell in paradise with God. That's why he created mankind. His purpose is for us to be in paradise. This has always been God's plan. His plan is to live with us in paradise and to walk with us and to talk with us. We see him walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the garden in paradise. Uh, he walks with them in the cool of the morning. And we see that his desire is to have that, that relationship and that dwelling place with his people. And so uh, Adam does not do that uh, because he becomes a goat, doesn't he? He looks off away from the Father and he starts to look in other places uh, for his direction. He doesn't follow God. And we see that, at, that Christ comes to do what Adam couldn't do, to be obedient to the Father. And so he puts all things in subjection so that he finally himself can be in subjection to the Father. That's what Christ comes to do. That's the kind of king he is. He is uh, uh, teaching us how to be humble, and he himself is humble to the Father. It's really extraordinary that the Lord never abandons this promise. He never abandons his desire to live with us in paradise. He never abandons his desire to dwell with us. He never abandons his desire for us to live in humble subjection to him. It's a really remarkable kind of a cosmic narrative that we see here where he describes christ putting all things under his authority even death we read the final thing that he does is he defeats death and so even death is under the authority of christ and then once he does that what does he do does he strut with pride and does he say how wonderful i am no he submits in humility to the father because that's the relationship of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always uh, humbling themselves, subjecting themselves to one another. Uh, their, their love for one another is this continual subjection and humility. And so this is the attitude, the attitude, the, the heart that Christians are supposed to have one to another and to God is to have this attitude of subjection and humility. Uh, we are supposed to be sheep. That's the difference in the end between sheep and goats. Sheep are willing to take direction, goats not. That's it. A sheep is gentle and allows itself to be directed. A goat is obstinate and proud. That's the difference between sheep and goats. And so we're being told that if we are going to dwell in paradise, if we're going to live in the Holy Trinity, if we're going to live in the glory of God in his kingdom, we have to be gentle. We have to allow ourselves to be humbled and to take direction. And this is what the world tells us exactly not to do. The world tells us to be proud. The world tells us to be independent. The world tells us to, to forge our own path, to do our own thing. And the Lord is teaching us constantly how to submit to his will, to rest in him, to take his direction, not to, 
to be moved by the anxiety of the world, the, the worries of the world, the goals of the world, but to look to the Lord and for his purposes and to have a, a gentleness in our spirit towards one another and towards the Lord. When our interior is this way, then we're able to, to submit to the Lord and we're able to do works of righteousness that we don't even know that we're doing. He says the righteous, uh, when they're told what they've done, they'll say, really, we did all that? And not only do we have hearts for the poor when we're able to do that, do we have hearts for those who are lost, the way Ezekiel says? Do we have hearts for the strayed and for the injured and the weak? Uh, We have hearts for those that, that need to have that model and example of living in the Lord. Whether we're talking about the poor or the strayed, we're not saying here in the scripture that this is only about your economic uh, you know, means of earning, right? That the Lord cares about how many zeros are on your paycheck. And when he says strayed, he's not talking about people that need a map, right? It's not like somebody that says, oh, gee, am I supposed to go north or south? What's he talking about? He's talking about the relationship with God. We're rich when we're dwelling with our Father in heaven, when we're obedient and submitted to him because he has everything. He has everything that we need and he provides all of our needs. So when we clothe, we clothe with the baptismal robes of righteousness. When we feed, we feed with the body and blood of Christ. We feed spiritual food that sustains and restores us. Uh, When we uh, meet those who are in prison, they're in prison to their own sin, their own obstinacy, their own rebellion. And we visit them in order to free them into the, the freedom of God and his righteousness. So we're called to do all of these things in humility and compassion uh, for one another in the Lord. And there's two very important uh, things here also that the Lord says in Matthew's gospel. Uh, number one is that he says uh, that the kingdom was prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Again, this is what St. Paul is talking about. He's saying we're made for heaven. We're made for heaven. That's what we were created for. We're made to be heirs. And not because of, of, of who we are, but because of who God is. Because he adopts us to become his sons and daughters. So we're made for the kingdom of God. That's why he made us, was to be adopted to come into his kingdom. The second thing is that hell was not made for us. We can go if we want to. Shockingly, people do. Right? Because they want to do it their own way. Right? They want to do it their way. They don't want to submit. They don't want to be a sheep. There are some people that can hear the good life of the sheep preached over and over again. At the end of the day, they say, nope, rather be a goat. But hell was not made for us. It says, the eternal fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. Prepared for those who since before time have chosen to be obstinate, have chosen to be stiff-necked, have chosen to be proud. And the Lord has said, okay, if you're going to be proud and stiff-necked, if you're going to insist on your own way, here's a place for you. And we call that place hell. And the Lord is saying, it's not made for you, but you can go there if you want to go. You were made to be a sheep, to be gentle, to be under the authority of your king, to be in relationship with him, to be provided for by him, and to dwell in his kingdom. That's his purpose. We bought our first house 
uh, we filled it with boxes. We filled the, the garage with boxes. It was just packed, and I had no idea where anything was. We had lots of really uh, important things in those boxes. You know, I had to find sheets for the kids' beds, and we had to find plates, and we had to find mixing bowls to make dinner. I had no clue where our stuff was. It was just all jammed into the garage and these boxes. And so I stand out in the middle of the garage, and I look to see, uh, you know, where am I going to put this stuff? And I think, okay, I'm going to have to make a a space, a room against the wall so that I can kind of clear it out and I can start to stack and organize these boxes. And so I start to clear away a space against the wall and I notice some lumber that had been left by the previous owner. There's uh, some, sh- some uh, wood planks that are about 18 inches wide and about 8 feet long. I think these look like shelves, right? And I find 2 and 3 and 4. I find all these cut shelves I think, gee, this is great. I'll have to see if I can find some brackets. Then I start to clean away some more, and I find some brackets. So I measure the brackets against the shelves, and these brackets were bought for these shelves. And I think, oh, man, now I've just got to to figure out where I should put them. And then as I'm continuing to sweep and start to try to stack some boxes, I noticed that there were also some holes that had already been drilled. And I took out my stud finder and I found that there were already studs and they'd already measured and marked where these shelves were supposed to go. So all I had to do was drill them. So I started to drill these brackets and lay these shelves on. And before the afternoon was over, I had like eight or nine shelves perfectly positioned against the wall and I had all the boxes organized and up on the wall and I was able to drive my wife's car into the garage. It was a miracle. The Lord had prepared a place, right? But I had to get out there and start to work and start to look and start to see. I had to clean up. This is what Advent is. This is what Advent is. It's not just the Lord is miraculously going to do everything. We've got to get out there and we've got to start looking at our lives and sweeping through and seeing, what do I have? What's the Lord given me? What are the tasks? What are the people? What are the projects? What are the plans? What's the Lord given me? And what's the stuff that I've taken that I don't need, that isn't really for me, that needs to be thrown out? And how does all that stuff need to be organized according to the Lord's will? And the shelves, the brackets, the wall of all this is Holy Scripture and daily prayer. If we're reading the Scriptures and we're doing daily prayer, and the way that it's lined out for us in Advent, we'll find that our lives become organized according to God's will and put in subjection to Him, and everything fits into place, and we become not only organized, but we become prepared For the work that he's given us to do. We now have the ability to do the things of God. To do that work that he's given us to do. And it will feel so natural, so right. It will be so in agreement with all the things in our life. That when somebody comes after us and says, look at all the things you did. We're going to say, what things? I was just doing day to day what the Lord gave me to do. No big deal. I just did what the Lord gave me to do. No big deal. May this Advent find us wholly, wholly subjected to our God and to our King, that we may dwell with Him in paradise forevermore.